Hello and welcome to episode 258 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. Today, I have two very special guests. These young men have never seen the sun. They've never touched any grass. They've dedicated their lives to optimizing the underlying math behind projecting NFL players. It is our director of analytics, Mike Leone, and our projections lead, Mark Dankenbring. Leone, good morning. How's it going? It's going well. Good morning, Levitan. Great solo pod this week, as always. Yes, more sex jokes, the better. Mark, <laughs> good morning. How's it going? Good morning. Feeling great. You know, I got this exposed brick behind me to show that I am outdoorsy and, uh, you know, have can put my dirt in the ground every once in a while. So, but excited to talk about the spreadsheets and, and this top 150. Okay. On today's show, as Mark mentioned, we're going to talk player outlooks for the rest of the season. In other words, if we were drafting today, what would our rankings look like? If you're an in-season subscriber, you have access to our weekly rest of season top 150, which comes out each Wednesday. Factors in injuries, buys, schedule, and of course, most importantly, role and usage changes we've seen so far, what's sticky and what's not. And honestly, it's a pretty difficult exercise, I think. I mean, it's complicated. There's so much short-term variance in the NFL. Things are constantly changing with injuries and roles. And really, part of it also is different fantasy teams need different things. If I'm 5-0 and or 4-0, and I need something different from a player than someone who's 0-4. I can't afford to wait on some injured guys or speculate down the road. I need wins. So... Leonie, I'm curious about this exercise in general. I'm sure the people are as well. What goes into creating the rest of season top 150 and what makes it difficult? Yeah, I think you know, as we are four weeks into the season, it becomes a little more difficult because the first couple weeks of the season, you can ignore some of the noise, like the sample size is so small. As you get four weeks in, you know, it's like already almost a quarter of the fantasy regular seasons out of the way. So you have to start paying more attention to things, but we haven't gotten deep enough in the season for things to really stabilize yet. So uh, that balancing of the small sample size issues with wanting to react appropriately is really difficult. Some of the ways we do this is by really pouring through the utilization of players you know, how they're accruing their fantasy points. And a lot of the team level stuff is super important too. You know, there are teams like the Cincinnati Bengals who just aren't playing stylistically like we thought they would. And then they're playing, you know, a little bit more of a, a boring style of football, even though they've been super efficient. So we're adjusting on that. And then there'll be another team like the Chargers. They're playing really aggressive, really high up there in pass rate over expectation. You know, Mike Williams is one of our biggest movers. And we feel more confident in moving Mike Williams up because we can see a definite role change. You know, his ADOT's lower, his target share's up, all the systemic team stuff's good. And that's when we feel more confident and we're more willing to move a guy in a big way versus, you know, some guys just have like fluky stats each week. And those are the guys we're trying to temper our expectations on. Yeah, I, I think along those lines, too, you think about players who we thought were very good before the season. They have a long history of being very good, but have gotten off to slow starts for whatever reason. And like, I think that's part of the difficulty of NFL as a whole. Like if you took George Kittle in the second round, I mean, you're likely in trouble right now. We still like George Kittle though, as a whole, we have him 35th overall. I thought George Kittle looked really good despite coming into that Seahawks game with a calf issue. His usage was really good. He had a catch in the end zone that just barely got knocked out of his hands. That would have made a really nice line. So Mark, what do we, thinking about 
when we think about guys who have started really slow but have a larger sample. And I, I, I mentioned Kittle. I'd also mentioned A.J. Brown, who I know is hurt. But in the first two games when A.J. Brown was healthy, he didn't do very much either. How do you think about guys who have gotten off to slow starts? For sure. Well, I think a lot of it, as you mentioned at the top of the show, is kind of how your team construction is looking four weeks into the season. Uh, if you're you know, off to a three and one start and you have Kittle, I've been able to overcome that. And I feel confident moving forward. You know, he'll be there. Um, the, the signs have been good for Kittle. He's gotten good volume the last two weeks, uh, 11 targets in week four, which we love to see. Just wasn't able to corral, you know, a few long touchdowns and, and catches. A.J. Brown is, is definitely difficult. And, and one thing Leone didn't necessarily touch on that I think is difficult are these in-season injuries. Where we're not exactly yeah. sure when guys are coming back, uh, you know, where to put them in the rankings, if we would trade for them etc. So it, it is a difficult exercise in that regard. Um, I, th I think, though, with, you know, someone like A.J. Brown, we've seen the Titans defense struggle and, you know, Ryan Tannehill had to had to throw it all over the field against the Jets. So when he comes back, I feel confident in his talent that he'll be able to kind of pick up where he left off last season. Um, but obviously he struggled through injuries in the past. And it's, you know, obviously something we have to battle consistently throughout the year. Yeah, Mike asked, does George Kittle stand to benefit from a back-to-earth target share for Debo Samuel? I and mean, we did want to touch on Debo Samuel, who's just been outrageous already this year. A lot of this stuff is going to regress, right? And, like, I actually don't think that Cooper Cup's target share is going to regress too much. Like, it will to, like, maybe 30%, but Cooper Cup's not going to fall off the face of the earth. I could see Debo, you know, he's at 32% now. He could fall back to 20, 21, 22, opening up a lot of targets for other people. Obviously, we're building in regression in that sense. To a lot of this stuff, like as a specific example, Leone, do you think that Kittle will benefit from Debo coming back? And what do you think about Debo going forward? Yeah, I mean, we've got Debo more like a 25% target share guy moving forward, which is still higher than we thought, but not, you know, I mean, we had him like a 21, 22% guy coming into the season. So we've shifted upwards and uh, with him having 30% right now, if we're only projecting 25%, like th that extra 5%, does start to go to the other guys that we think, you know, it's come from early on. And Kittle's one of them. He's on the air yards by low model. Someone that I think is going to be super volatile, maybe not have the best floor for you, but we're going to see spike weeks out of Kittle. And especially at tight end, like we saw it last year, it felt like we were over projecting Darren Waller every week of the season. And then he scores 40 <laughs> points against the Jets. And like he goes absolutely nuclear. So just because you haven't seen a ceiling yet doesn't mean it's not there. And I think that's the case for both Kittle and AJ Brown. How do we think about guys who have come out of the gate hot and maybe they see a role change, but we don't have a huge sample on it. And Dawson Knox is an example. I'll go to you with this, Leone, as the resident Buffalo freak who jumps off tables <laughs> and smashes beer cans and stuff like that. Why do we not have Dawson Knox in our top 150? How do we handle guys who have come out the gate really hot? Yeah, I think Knox has done enough that you feel good about him as like a really back end tight end. But if you look at the guy's, that are ranked inside our top 150. They just have much better roles than Dawson Knox. And I do think there's some signal in that the Bills seem like they're more successful playing three wide with one tight end. So Knox has been able to stay on the field. First week, they did a lot of four wide receiver stuff. They haven't done as much of that the last three weeks. I think that's a good sign for him, but he's run so, so pure on touchdowns and efficiency. And like the overall volume is just, it's just not that good. So you're, mm -hmm. you're pumped if you took them in best ball. But there's so many guys I think you could start above him in a startable league that you know we're trying not to overrate the exact fantasy points. We're still pretty focused on the role. The role's improved, but not as much as the fantasy points might make you think. I want to stick on this theme, Mark, with guys coming out of the gate hot and rolls. Cordero Patterson is the talk of the fantasy world right now. 23 snaps 
last week out of 60-something for the Falcons, as we've talked about with Silva on the previous pod, and his touchdown rate is absolutely outrageous. And so people are going to say, oh, man, you have to have Cordero Patterson. He's out there making plays. He's so much better than Mike Davis. He's so much better than Wayne Gallman. He's going to earn more. But, man, I mean, his, his role right now is obviously unsustainable. We have Cordero Patterson, I believe, down around 119. We have him at wide receiver. Oh, we have him at wide receiver. Okay, yeah. yeah. So uh, we have, regardless, we have him at 119 overall. People are going to say that's too low. Do you guys have any? Do you guys even have eyes? Where are you? Uh, where are you at with Cordero Patterson? How do we do this for him? Actually, 99th overall. I miss. I misspoke. 99th overall on Cordero Patterson. But go ahead on him, Mark. Yeah, we bumped him up a little bit after some discussion uh, in the Slack chat. But I think with Patterson, it's it's come through receiving work. And in Atlanta, we're searching for, you know, people to step up there. Obviously, we knew Ridley and Pitts would be the focal points, but kind of who's that third guy. And with Russell Gage going down um, the last two weeks, you know, Cordero Patterson's receiving work has has exploded. And in the last three games, he's put up 222 receiving yards and four touchdowns. So obviously a little unsustainable. You know, he's maxed out at 42 percent of the snaps. He's been in the 30 percent range uh, the rest of that time. But this is kind of a situation where we talk about efficiency leading to more volume for players. So will Arthur Smith, you know, searching for something on the Falcons offense continue to draw plays for Patterson? I think so. Obviously, we expect him to regress. And kind of where we landed with him in the rankings is, is we still see him, you know, as, as a relatively decent RB2 uh, flex play each week. But he doesn't necessarily have that incumbent upside of other handcuffs where if Mike Davis were to go down, I don't think all the rushing work would go to Cordero Patterson. It would be split between him and Wayne Gallman. Um, so I think, you know, you can kind of capitalize and, and sell high at this point, but I also do think his role will grow and he could be a usable fantasy player moving forward. Uh, I mean, I think just raw snaps is kind of a silly thing to look at with guys like Patterson and Rondell Moore, because yeah, while it caps them somewhat, their touches per snap is so, so, so high. It's very clear that their team wants them to be out there. So I'd encourage people not to just look at raw snaps. We certainly not when we're doing this rest of tops, rest of season, top 150 exercise. Yeah, right. I, I will note there real quick, too, is that he, he's run 51 routes on the season and has 20 targets. Yeah. Uh, so it's you know, <laughs> about 40 percent target per route run, which is obviously insane. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's got to it's regress. If you're in a league where he's RB eligible, which I think is most leagues, I mean, having him as an RB, two, especially if you drafted pretty wide receiver heavy early, which we suggested, I, I think he does have a decent bit of value. But it could go two ways. You know, he could keep his current snaps and, and whatnot. And, you know, the regression is going to hit hard. He's going to be really tough to start each week. Or, you know, some of that regression could be mitigated, like Mark said, by them giving him an expanded role. You know, Mike Davis hasn't been great. Zacchaeus kind of stinks. Gage has been banged up. So he can, you know, get there in a variety of ways where he's like a wide receiver three plus an RB2. And that nets out to a pretty strong RB2. All right, Leone, we spent... I feel like an unconscionable amount of time this preseason talking about the rookie quarterbacks. Um, I was even tired of talking about the rookie quarterbacks. By the time August and September came, I was like, oh my God, I cannot spend another minute on Justin Fields and Trey Lance. However, the time is now. Jimmy Garoppolo's calf issue, and I haven't seen an update. He was headed for an MRI on it. Sounded like he was afraid he was going to miss some time with his calf issue this is the same kind of injury that it looked like Evan Ingram missed like a month with I don't know if Garoppolo's is as severe as Evan Ingram's was but we'll see there on the other side Justin Fields although he didn't have a good fantasy game on Sunday against the Lions I thought he played really really well like I mean and he was really aggressive down the field 
I mean, dropping dimes like 40 yards down the field to anybody with two eyes, he has earned the starting job going forward. However, that would assume that Matt Nagy has two eyes, which we're actually not convinced of right now. And so we get into these situations where we're doing the rest of the season top 150, where we don't know what coaches are going to do. I am not sure that they're going to stick with fields when Andy Dalton gets healthy. I don't know what San Francisco is going to do if and when Jimmy Garoppolo gets healthy. Let's say Trey Lance goes and balls out. Does he keep the job? So how are you thinking of now about Trey and Fields for the rest of the season, especially considering, I mean, Fields hasn't even had a good fantasy game yet uh, for what it's worth. Like I said, I think he played very well, but he didn't run against the Lions as much as we thought that maybe he would. But go ahead on the rookies. I know that you've had a full 3.9 for these guys for the last like six months, Leone. So the floor is yours. I have, and it's been a little bit of a rough start, uh, but kind of the thesis behind the play was they're, they're eventually going to start. Something's going to happen. I guess we ran a little bit lucky in terms of injuries in front of them, getting them into starting roles right now. Neither has a guaranteed starting job for the rest of the season, but you know if they're good and they hit the way we hope they're going to hit, they're going to be able to maintain a starting job. I'm more bullish on Lance than Fields for a couple of reasons. One, just like straight up uncertainty. We've seen two games, two different game scripts for Fields, and he's been you know, a really poor fantasy performer in both of them, even though from a real-life perspective, he was very good in that Lions game, You know, very high YPA, played well. But it just seems like this Chicago Bears offense is just like neutering Fields out there, whereas San Francisco, we saw Trey Lance put up you know 20 fantasy points and a half. Not that we're expecting anything that crazy, but I think there's an upside that exists for Lance that – you know, we've kind of seen maybe isn't going to be there for fields and the offense for San Francisco 49ers. I mean, they could be one of the leading scoring offenses the rest of the way with all the talent they have out there, how run heavy they are is a little bit of a concern, but when you've got playmakers like Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, and then Lance's rushing ability, I still think this is a guy that could, if he can play well and hold on to the starting job, be a top 10 quarterback the rest of the way. I don't think that would shock anyone, especially in a, a four point per passing touchdown, one point per 25 passing yard leagues, which is most standard leagues. Before we get out of here, and we only have about five minutes left here, Mark, there's two more guys I want to talk about. First is Daryl Henderson. I don't think we're sneaking this past anyone. I, I know you guys think that he's a pretty good buy right now. I just think anybody who has Daryl Henderson is well aware that they're treating this dude like Todd Gurley. I mean, I didn't think that they were optimistic Daryl Henderson could sustain health as a bell cow. But man, I mean, he has almost 100. Like he has like almost a Najee Harris role. And I didn't think that was coming. I didn't think that was possible. But yeah, I mean, we have him down, I believe, in the 30s overall. Uh, yeah, 36th overall on Daryl Henderson. I agree. I'd love to have him on my team, especially as his ribs improve, especially as Sonny Michelle gets in the doghouse with his fumble. I'm just not sure we're seeing it past anyone, but yeah, what is your outlook on Daryl Henderson right now? And again, the guys we have around him are very good fantasy options. Gibson, Swift, Chubb, CEH, Kareem Hunt, Chase Edmonds, guys like that. Although there's a big teardrop, I think like we have it after CEH down to the Hunt, Edmonds, Miles Sanders types. Go ahead on Daryl Henderson, Mark. Yeah. I mean, the role has just been exactly what we were hoping for with the Rams on uh, that. He's been the clear, you know, lead, um, you know, workhorse back there with, with Sony Michelle coming in and, and his two full games, uh, he had nearly 70% rush share in week one, and then a 60% rush share in week four. 
And I know Sonny Michelle got in there in some garbage time uh, when they were down to the Cardinals. So it, it's just been purely the nuts roll that we were hoping for with Daryl Henderson. Also seeing a decent amount of targets on the year. Uh, target share at about 12.5% uh, in, the, in the games he's played. So just, you know, we, we love the offense. We love the role. Uh, we, we love how they use him around the goal line. So I think he deserves to be, you know, in that mid RB2 range with with RB1 upside each week. So I think kind of where we have him nestled between CEH is is an interesting decision because CEH has come on strongly the last couple of weeks and is in a great offense of his own. But it seems like the workload for Henderson is a little safer in that he'll get, you know, a vast majority of the touches, whereas Daryl Williams will cut in more to CEH's workload. Yeah, Daryl Daryl Williams' snap share has risen each of the first four weeks. Daryl Williams has started to play a lot. And I actually think that I would take Daryl Henderson personally over Antonio Gibson. And I hate saying bad things about Antonio Gibson because I love him. Yeah. I think he's banged up. He has shin. He has toe issues. McKissick is playing. I think Jared Patterson can play. And so I just think Daryl Henderson's role is a little bit better than Antonio Gibson, but certainly very close there among all those guys in that running back range. We also have, I mean, RBs we know are so volume dependent and we probably have Henderson maybe even on the low end of his range. Like there's just a little bit of uncertainty that they keep him in this workhorse role, which is why we have him 36. But, you know, I'm in a league where I have Zeke who's coming off two huge league, two huge weeks and I'm you're somewhat weak at wide receiver in that league. So I'm trying to package, you know, Zeke in a lower end wide receiver for Henderson and a high end wide receiver where even though it's like a 25 gap ranking 25 point rankings gap between Zeke and Henderson. Like if you were to look at those two rest of season, I don't, you know, I feel like it's closer than that when you factor in the systemic risk of running back. So I do think like, if you have a real high end running back that you can sell super high on get Henderson while his fantasy point performances haven't been that great. And then really add an additional piece somewhere that's worth you're looking into. Uh, since I left Philly, I actually haven't heard any police or ambulance sirens uh, out here in the deep suburbs. So it's good to feel like home again with uh, Mark in downtown Denver with people, you know, getting murdered or whatever else is going on outside <laughs> Mark's apartment uh, right now. Last guy I want to think about is this injury stuff. And, and, you know, we can use the Dave Montgomery situation as a specific. We only have one or two minutes here on it, Leone, but when you're talking about guys who are hurt, like David Montgomery is hurt, we have a timeline four or five weeks. We don't know how healthy he'll be on return. It matters a lot to your team. How Where's your team at? Can you afford to stash David Montgomery for a while? Do you have an IR spot on your team? And also, if you're desperate for help right now, you can go out and get Damian Williams. So we have David Montgomery down in the hundreds, I believe 116th, Damian Williams up at 84th. Just quickly, how do we think about guys who are hurt right now? And we know their timeline and we know their backup is likely to succeed. Yeah, part of it is, you know, the length of time they're out, how well your team's doing, if you have an IR spot. But uh, with David Mon a guy like David Montgomery, he's just kind of one of those fragile running backs that I'm worried about to begin with. So I hate being, you know, on the aggressive end of a running back that's already going to be out a handful of weeks. Coming into the year, we already like Damian Williams behind him. And I know David Montgomery was playing really well, putting up fantasy points. But I think, you know, you might even be able to, send that risk somewhere else to a league mate who thinks, you know, they're stashing him for, you know, a playoff run. Um, if you're like undefeated, maybe you just throw him on your IR, but I do think there's probably more risk there than just the, Oh, he's out, you know, six weeks. Um, we've seen it before guys don't always come back hundred percent, especially at the running back position. And that's part of the reason why we're so aggressive on Damian Williams, where we think we can get really high in running back production for, six, seven weeks, what have you. And then on top of that, you know, who knows how it's going to shake out once Montgomery actually comes back. So 
with the running backs in particular, I'm a little bit more short-term thinking. And then wide receivers, I'm a little bit more long-term thinking just because one of those positions is volume dependent and one of them is a little bit more talent dependent. Yeah. Uh, Damian Williams sat out all of last year, opted out due to COVID. I mean, he should be relatively fresh and we know Damian Williams can definitely play. They also have Khalil Herbert on the team. You can go back and listen to the pod we did with Silva for a little bit more on that situation. All right. Hope you guys have enjoyed this pod. I don't know if we're going to keep doing it every week. If you guys want to see it every week, let us know. Shoot us a note in the reviews on iTunes or in the comments on YouTube and we'll see it. Uh, I think it's really thoughtful exercise to go through and think about what you would do with your team for the rest of the season, how you would value players for the rest of the season and worth thinking about and also beneficial to DFS because thinking about how guys are going to shake out in new roles and stuff like that. And, you know, trying to get off priors um, that we had before the season in DFS, I think is important too. For Mark, for Leone, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm -hmm.